Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm here, you're not expecting probably me, uh, and probably not Josh Briscoe either. Just to give a total disclaimer, we're recording this on a Tuesday for a Thursday. So we'll let you figure that out with time and inception and whatever that takes. But uh, I'm also normally here with Sterling Holmes, but that's on Tuesdays. On Thursdays, it's Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Josh Briscoe could talk a lot about a lot of things not normally as aggressively as Matt Verderam <laughs> does, and uh, and also not as really as as un. Josh, how are you? I was trying to think of a way to throw Sterling under the bus there too, but it really doesn't matter. I, what I'm hearing from you is that I'm kind of Matt plus Sterling plus plus Patrick all combined, and maybe honestly multiplied by a couple times. But like I feel I mean, like you've brought me in to cover a lot of bases, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do it. I think you're like the exponential version of everything everyone wants, and yeah. they just don't even know it. Yeah, so, I wish I could get you. I wish I get my, you to talk to my fiance for like ten minutes <laughs> and just get that in there wait, for her. Am I the hurdle to get her from going? Like, has she already said yes, or do you she, need help with that? She said yes, but you know, it was just kind of one of those like. <laughs> <sighs> yeah like it was you know how the length of the sigh before an answer really gives it away and that for me oh, is yeah. what i kind of keep going back and replaying in my head the exasperation of the moment is what you remember <laughs> i like yeah. it yeah i like it well hey folks we're um one if you're listening if you're watching we're so glad to have you as always it's always a pleasure uh and thankful for anyone who consumes really anything in these crowded digital days but um we're thrilled to have josh on the program today in the wake of the NFL draft and a week of like wizardry for Brett Veach and that front office, um, I asked Josh to come on. If somehow you don't know Josh, he's the host of Almost Entirely Sports on 810. You're also with Seth on Time's Up, right? Nate Taylor's on that too with the Time is ours. The time time's the time ours. is ours now. Yeah. Time's I'm, ours, not time's up. I don't know you, why. If you just that. if you just throw a football somewhere in the greater Kansas City metro area, you are liable to hit a piece of content that I have made. That's totally true. You're also the editor of Arrowhead Report on uh the Sports Illustrated Network, right? Yes, the the Fan Nation Network on on Sports Illustrated. Yeah, we've got I mean really just a lot of irons in the fire, but I will it's I will like, tell you this. Written? Verbal? It, every angle, every single every angle. angle, but it, but it did start legitimately. It started on Arrowhead Addict for me like eight years ago now, maybe longer than that. Back, back when there were like three Chiefs podcasts. So my terrible one was one of very few options that people had. Uh, so I, uh, I feel like I'm back in some old stomping grounds right now. In the nascent days, in yes. the nascent days of things you were here. Well, we're so glad to have you back. Um, Josh, wanting to talk about the draft. It's been a few days now. Like, are you... How were you feeling during the draft and did that change now like after the fact? Like like how are you like were you nervous, worried, were you liking it, not liking it? Do you like it more now, less now? Like like how yeah. is all that coming together for you now? I was I was very worried 
I mean, you know, on the level that it's not a loved one in a critical condition or something. But I was football worried on Thursday because I didn't think it made any sense. But but the one report that sticks out is Jay Glazer tweeting out that the Chiefs are looking to move up and even considering using next year's first, which is funny because here on on Tuesday, a couple days in the past, um, Brett Veach joked that, that Clark Hunt told him on multiple occasions he's not allowed to trade <laughs> the first round pick for, for next year because it's going to be here in Kansas City. Uh, and that was even something like we talked about a day of, but I was, I was kind of sitting there thinking, man, you know, I, I love Jamison Williams. You know, there, there are some incredible players here. And, and maybe if, if Kayvon Thibodeau were to fall or what, you know, there, there were all of these different realities that I was thinking about. But ultimately, I just was was most hopeful that the Chiefs would actually make two picks on Thursday. And as long as they were making two picks on Thursday, it didn't really matter all that much to me what else they had to do to move around. Um, ideally, you also don't give up, you know, that that second round pick or either of those second round picks. They got through, they made four picks in the first two rounds. So I was I was happy about that. Um, I've got I've got my big picture sort of thesis on on what this whole class looks like all together that we can get to if you want I, I I've got all yeah. this to unpack um, but but big picture generally like yeah I I feel as good about this draft now as I did on Thursday and Friday and Saturday I think each day has something interesting to it um, the only thing that makes me uncomfortable right now is the fact that literally everyone thinks the Chiefs had a good draft and that's I don't know how <laughs> often that happens like universal praise right now throughout NFL media yeah. is for the Chiefs and the Jets and if that makes you comfortable then you you've got more emotional sort of uh, intelligence at this point than I do. <laughs> well, I, w- I want to unpack everything that you're talking about. I just want to say, first of all, that I agree. I think it was a magnificent weekend. And I think you were right. I just thought I want them to hold on to all these early picks and I don't even care where they go because mm-hmm. there's so many places that need it that when they apply that pick, it's just going to, it's going to be good. Yeah. So I, I, I think I agree with you there. But also before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. You already mentioned I'm in the KC beer uh, beanie. It's a great it's beanie. I, a beanie what I meanie. And uh, the Arrowhead Ag Podcast brought to you by KC Beer Co. It's the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. They're also the only brewery in Kansas City to focus on German beer styles. Do you know, Josh, do you know the German purity law of 1516? <laughs> Why would I know that? I, I'm just asking. You're, no, you're a bastion of knowledge. You are I don't a tower know. Of, of wisdom. You have and found I, uh, something that I have a blind spot on. I could talk about almost anything, but that, that well, misses almost, me. I'd love to learn. <laughs> Uh, they use only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. I think that's also how I make my macaroni. Anyway, it's delicious. <laughs> this award-winning brewery, a terrific lineup of brews. So whatever kind of beer you're into, they got a style for you. Look for the KC Beer Co. Red Carton in your local store. Um, and give them a shout out on Twitter. Say you heard them here. Um, it's, it's good for us, good for them. They're just good people, honestly, who make good beer. Uh, we could read all the things about them, but I think the best thing to say is just good people making good beer locally how do you beat that anyway uh dear to beer different josh briscoe tell me your master thesis of the kansas city chiefs 2022 by the way 10 pick draft class 10 10 10. picks oh that that was another one of the things that i started getting really just really aggravated about over the course of the pre-draft process like what are they they don't have all these roster spots yeah they do those seventh round picks and undrafted free agents if you bundle all those together of course they were going to have a bunch of guys there but certainly they could have taken seven or eight guys in those first few rounds and they did and i love that uh but yeah i i think that there are i think there are two things that for me like just smack me in the face over the course of the draft unfolding the first one really definitely landed on thursday for me Um, it was actually friday night 
or like Friday morning. It was Thursday night into Friday morning. And so I've had to say that, you know, if this doesn't sound profound, understand that at 2 a.m. Friday morning when I wrote it down, it felt profound to me. Um, you like woke up and like wrote something down? No, no, I just I just didn't sleep for roughly three days. I was just there was a lot of energy drink sort of fueling through my my bones. But but what made sense to me with, with Trent McDuffie and George Karloff, this especially, is looking at the Chiefs' first two picks of, of the last several years' draft classes, of all the Veach draft classes. I think this is the first time that I have fully 100% understood the logic of the picks. Maybe maybe the second time uh, under Veach, which the, the reason that I go to the logic of it and to the process of it is because like we, I love a little draft grade. You know, it's fun. I, I did mine. You guys did. It's fun to do, but it's yeah. at its core. It's stupid, right? Because like we, what we can grade isn't what that career is going to look like because it hasn't happened yet. What we can grade is the process. And then we just, you know, filter it through our priors, what we liked about these players or this fit or whatever. And then we say what we think is going to happen. So it's still projecting, even though it sort of comes off as a conclusion of a grade, you know, it's still, it's still a projection. But what you can actually grade is, is the process of it. And so if you go back to 2018, the process led you to the last like quote unquote top edge on their board, which was Braylon Speaks, who was not a top edge on anyone else's board. And then Derek <laughs> Nottie, who, who's an excellent football player, but a two down interior defensive lineman. I don't know if I love the value of that. Um, in, in 2019, you get McCole Hardman, Juan Thornhill. Understand that. Don't know what's going on with Tyreek Hill exactly. You get a super yeah. speedy receiver with a lot of tools uh, and then a rangy free safety to put next to Tyreek Matthew. Totally understood the logic of, of those picks. Obviously in 2020, running back in the first round was not for me. I didn't <laughs> see it. Uh, and then the second pick, a really athletic linebacker with a, with a, a high ceiling in Willie Gay Jr. Understood the logic. And then last year, I didn't see the logic in the Nick Bolton pick. I make that point to say, I, I, I see it now. I, I didn't at the time. I just don't want to power wash my own resume on this. Sure. Um, and then I saw it with Creed Humphrey because you're giving Patrick Mahomes his, his center for the next 10 years, ideally. But I understand the logic here perfectly uh, because this team had one need that could be picked on by any above average quarterback and then another need that would make every quarterback look like an above average quarterback. <laughs> Because if it looked, man, no offense to DeAndre Baker, but the Chiefs told us what they thought about DeAndre Baker this week. They drafted five defensive backs and then traded for Lonnie Johnson. Like th- they were not happy with their own secondary, obviously. So you say, well, you know, you got a guy that you can put out there and start and he can just stick to anybody. Could he get played over by Jamar Chase? Yeah, I mean, so could almost literally anyone. Um, but, but Trent McDuffie is going to be where he needs to be. He has the tools to be there. We can we can get into the minutiae on him if you want later. But uh, you have the logic of that. And with George Karloftis, not the highest ceiling of even the guys who are available then. Arnold Ebiketti and David Ajabo might have higher ceilings. But George Karloftis is pretty much ready to play right now. Like he he... I would love to bet this. If someone wants to find me odds that I can put money on this, I would love to bet that he leads maybe the entire defensive line in, in snaps taken this year as a rookie because he's ready to go. And I think Frank Clark will miss some games. Mike Dane is a rotational piece. The interior is going to rotate through it. It'll be him or Chris Jones. Like that to me is, is relatively obvious. Like he's ready to play football at a decent level right now. You know, on a roller coaster, you got to be this tall to ride. He's taller than that. And the chiefs yeah. desperately needed somebody like that at both of those positions at corner and the edge. So at the very least, that's my that's my day one take for you. Yeah. Well, I, I love both of those. And I think everyone was like shocked at, um, you know, it felt like Veach got the value that he wanted. But at the same time, there was like, but it fits like right perfectly with the need. 
Yes. And you know, he even said that today, you know, like, hey, like it doesn't always work out this way. Or he said that after the first round, you know, he's like, hey, you know, it doesn't work out this way. Normally it doesn't. In fact, normally it doesn't. Yeah. But here it just happens to lot like the planets aligned over this draft, partly because Veach traded a planet, <laughs> like traded into the planetary alignment to get McDuffie. Right. But, you know, I, th- I think, um, I mean, he's biased, you know, but I had a conversation with, um, with Will Harris, who was the defensive backs coach at Washington the last few years, um, the day after the first round. And, and I just like, you know, I said, you know, I know everybody thinks their picks are going to go high. And and he just laid out. He's like, hey, look, here we've had we've had Buda Baker. We've had you know, he just starts going through like the seven guys who he, he's like thrown into the pros who've all been drafted in the first few rounds. He's like, look, I know what an NFL like. I know what an NFL level cornerback looks like at the college level. Yeah. And he said, and I was telling every general manager or coach who would call me, look, not only do I know that we produce good defensive backs at the next level, but McDuffie compared to those guys is better than those guys. So like you should get this guy. And so that combined with even Veach's actions of like, Hey, here was a kind of a top 10, maybe top 15 talent slipping into the bottom half. We had to go up. I mean, you go up and get a guy, and it just how happens to fit the the value. So, I love it. I agree with you. I I just think that's so good. And and like the getting the logic there. I mean, it feels almost like the anti Clyde draft. And I love it because they've traded these picks away. So I was dying. I'm like, please keep both because you got to make up for ones that you didn't make. Yes, people. That's something that I don't think people understand quite well enough in the in the general terms uh, of like, hey, this is why when you trade for Frank Clark, he's got to be really good for a long time. When you trade for Orlando Brown Jr., he's got to be really good for a long time because you're you're basically paying twice for those guys, you know, because you're paying in salary and you're paying in draft capital. And, and while look, I mean, obviously the 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 player that Orlando Brown Jr is was going to be the safer move than just like drafting a corner at the end of the first round last year. Right. But you have to also be willing to say, well, that we're also about to see a huge chunk of salary cap space be allocated to him. And then it's more difficult for you to cover up your own mistakes if you do make them. So whenever we were having all those conversations this offseason, you know, about what's going to be the thing that Brett Veach overhauls this year, because he always overhauls something. I, I think that what that what he really overhauled here was was the core like or was was the future somebody used i wish i could remember who it was it might have been ryan tracy who used the word foundation like th- th- there had to be a foundational influx not just of, of players and talent but of guys who are going to be here for three or four or five years at a very controllable value where all of a sudden that patrick mahomes contract just not doesn't stress you out um yeah. paying paying chris jones orlando brown jr or joe tooney you know like those those contracts hurt a little less because you're not paying for anyone else on that offensive line, right? Um, so I, I just think I, I think you're 100 right that this is this was a chance for the Chiefs to do something. Both this will get to my sort of my second big takeaway, but it's <laughs> it, it is to do something that helps in the immediate, but that sets your floor again, ideally for the next four or five years. The more picks you can make, uh, the, the more guys you're going to have, but also the better chance you're going to have of some of them being being more valuable than their draft slot indicated. Yeah. Well, let's get to that. It, uh, like, it, does that lead us into? Was that your second takeaway? Is that foundational quality? Yeah. So the the, the foundational thing is is I think maybe my maybe my tertiary take. I got a lot of layers this one, man. I, I, I spent it. a lot of time. I spent a lot of time on the radio on on Friday and Saturday, so I had a lot of time <laughs> to think out loud, which is 
is where I do most of my most of my best thinking. My my second big take, I honestly, Brett Veach kind of undercut me on this one on I think Friday night or, or on Saturday because he, he he talked about the same thing. He stole my thunder. I was like, oh, this isn't this doesn't sound that that smart anymore because <laughs> Veach said it. Yeah, so I just need you guys to believe that I thought of it first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but my my analogy here is that the Chiefs at this point, the, the 2021, 22 Kansas City Chiefs are a moving train like they are not stopping anywhere to get new passengers on board to let some guys off tire and appreciate. We'll drop you off here in New Orleans. We got to get Justin Reed on. <laughs> What the Chiefs are doing right now is they're trying to stay at their current rate of speed, not have to dip down, but you got to get some people on and off this train. And so in in particular with Trent McDuffie, like whenever you talk about someone's mental abilities, everyone's going to think Dan Sorensen, right? Like, oh, he's just grinding the tape and he knows where he's supposed to be. Well, Trent McDuffie knows where he's supposed to be and how to be there and has the tools to get there, right? Like he's, (laughs) he's a rookie, but... He, he is he is never going to look like one, ideally. Or at least he's not going to look like one very often. George Karloftis, the only time he's going to look like a rookie is whenever he takes off his helmet. And you go, oh, that's a huge child, right? Like, he's <laughs> he's a, he's like, what, 21 or something? Like, like yeah. oh, man, like that. But when his helmet is on, you would go, that is Michelangelo's David. So you you have it specifically with those guys. But then Sky Moore, to some extent, might, might buck this trend. I think he'll be able to contribute right away because of the tools that he has. He did it at a lower level of, of competition. But he's got the tools to be a part-time contributor immediately. Brian Cook can go hit someone tomorrow. Leo Chanel might go hit someone today for fun. Like he might just go to a to like a, a, a football camp somewhere and like pop a dude just trying to catch a pass over the middle. Not even wearing pads. Like those those guys in particular um through the first two days of the draft i think what the chiefs really focused on is guys who can help fill immediate needs in 2022 and will be a part of the long-term foundational stuff uh you could nitpick and say they shouldn't have to have had had to do that you could have said hey well you should have you know signed charvarius ward or you you should have um brought in an edge at some point so you wouldn't have had to kind of fit that mold but ultimately even though though that process definitely spooked me over the course of the offseason I think we're ultimately going to look back and say they they solved two problems through through individual picks pretty well in terms of 2022 and the future uh, instead of just leaving us here to talk about how you know how how the Chiefs are choosing between now and the future right running yeah. back was about now some people are saying well is this going to, are they going to even be like not you know trying to win is obviously a gross oversimplification but where's their focus and i yeah. think ultimately their focus is both on the now and the long term i think that could get you in trouble sometimes i think the chiefs have patrick mahomes so it won't get them in trouble this time yeah but i i find that really interesting what you're saying because before the draft i remember talking to sterling and just saying I would love for them to grab a guy like David Ajabo at some point because he represents the kind of high ceiling talent grab that they will never have access to unless they have a losing season. However, I also said, but they cannot afford to take Ajabo unless they also take a guy like George Karloftis, right? right. I mean, we were, we were yep. talking about, is it, is it Boye Mafe? Is it not? I mean, we just knew they had to double up at, in, and then Ojabo has to be the second pick because yeah. you have to secure the present first. If your window's open, you got to go for it every year, no matter what. So when you say that, I just think, oh, not, not only do I agree with you, but I even wonder, yeah, maybe they couldn't even afford to take Ojabo. Maybe he wasn't even on the draft board, just knowing we'd love, we'd love to be the deep team that has the luxury of putting Ojabo on the roster and rolling with it, but we need we need Ojabo to do his a day Jabo today and a future mm-hmm. Jabo. Like, you know, like that just doesn't work. It also makes me wonder, like, is that Sky Moore over over George Pickens? Yeah. Right? Is it 
is it is it some of these guys who did, you know they could have gone with oh he's coming off of the injury and he looks good but i mean the chiefs just went for they're all healthy they're all good they're all we'll add the justin ross as the cherry on top later yes but we're but our guys are present and accounted for. Yeah, and again, like I think if you wanted to build a different reality, you could say, well, wouldn't it be cooler to be the Ravens and to believe in your own edge rush enough that you can get through a season and then you have a jabo? Because like what I've said, and I'm you know I'm I'm pretty well talked into George Karloftis because I also think I have a decent feel of what he's going to be, which I think is probably important on on the expectations front. Like if you said five years down the line, you said, hey, George Karloftis or David Ajabo has gone to like three Pro Bowls and has an All Pro selection and they're about to get a hundred million dollar second contract who's it gonna be so well, i guess i guess it's probably more likely that that guy is david ajabo but definitely only george Karloftis is going to play 85 percent of the chief snaps in week one you know what i mean like yep. so again i don't know that that's that, that that is sort of being boiled down to have your options limited because of your own actions but but ultimately i think the chiefs are probably pretty happy with that yeah i, I want to talk more Karloftis in just a second I do just want to let people know we're doing a giveaway. Josh, I don't know if you're eligible or not. Uh, now that you're a guest, you may have missed out. Anyway, mm. uh, just want to say how, oh, if you want to, uh, let's, we're doing let's monthly contests. <laughs> uh, we're doing monthly contest giveaways for our listeners. And this month is a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Do you have one of those, Josh? I don't. I don't. It looked really good. I could put it on one of these walls behind well, me. I'm going to reorganize I'll, my office pretty soon. So if you want to enter, I just want to let you know there are multiple ways to get entries. So check out the link in the description of however you're watching or listening to this podcast to find out how to enter. Terms and conditions apply. They always do. That's the prize version of thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Terms and conditions apply. So, yeah, that's out there. Are the terms and conditions that being a guest kicks you out of the prize pool? Because I feel like... um, It's probably like your insurance company. There's always a reason Mm. to reject your claim. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm probably... My great-grandpa was probably... Arrowhead addict, first editor, and I'm now unable to to get it. Who knows? Hey, I want to talk. I want to talk Carl off this because you know every everyone just it's almost like he's viewed as this like really great consolation prize, right? Mm. And like I don't want to like get into the weeds and call people out, but I was even reading like I read one thing where like some people in like who love the chiefs know the chiefs were like Karloftis is a really great fit. He's like a high quote, high fit. Mm-hmm. We're also saying, please don't draft him. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, he's rated as a top pick. Who's a perfect fit. And we don't want him because we'd rather have these other. And I'm just thinking this feels incongruent. It mm-hmm. feels like we're underselling the guys whose very jobs depend on it are like picking him themselves. Yeah. And if you watch, if you watch the call, you know, then you have, Steve Spagnolo's on the phone going, boy, I've been sitting in this war room, like, like hoping and praying that you're going to be here on the other end of this call. So I guess I just want to ask you, I mean, you've already talked in some ways about this, but, but like, why are we being, why is he the consolation prize for some? Is that fair or unfair? I don't know. Can you unpack that? Or or do do you even agree with that? or, Or are you not seeing that? No, I, I think there's something to it. And I think that the fact that I feel like I could pretty confidently play all sides of that one is probably a, a decent indicator that 
there's something to it, but maybe that it's also gone uh, maybe a little too far in, in some way, shape or form. So here's here's what I think is, is happening there. First of all, I do absolutely literally believe that Steve Spagnuolo was saying a prayer in the war room quietly yeah. to himself out loud, though, not a silent prayer. Just one kind of like, dear God, if you can hear me, George Carlock, this could just fall to 30. Um, I, I do think that there's a, a chance that was happening. Well, and so the the reason that I think you see a little bit of the splits on this, and it's kind of funny because usually the groups I'm about to invoke right now are not, they don't usually align this way, but all the nerds love him. The nerds love George Karloftis. There's some big nerd hype for George Karloftis. And I think the, the reason behind that is that he moves like a bulldozer. Like he turns every offensive lineman in front of him into a blocking sled. Uh, he also has really good use of his hands. It's always very fun. I, I, I enjoy watching him play football and like in the truest sense. But I, I think on the other other hand the reason that you're going to find the i don't know the the dissenters on some level or at least people who who would have liked to have seen them go some other way it's because you know as he moves forward like a bulldozer he also bends like a bulldozer like which is not very much you know it's it's a pretty stiff operation like he's gonna yeah. go through you or again not to I, what I don't want to make this turn into is that he's like a Neanderthal. That's absolutely not true. That that's, yeah. that might be the biggest misconception here that I, I really don't want to take off on, on Karloftis because what he can do, catching the hands of offensive linemen, moving them to the side. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to block half of George Karloftis. You're not going <laughs> to block all of him very well, but you're going to block half of him, not at all. So like there, there really is something to that. But I, I think what's really happening there is that the elite bendy edge rushers that all of a sudden, like they just bend at their hip at a 90 degree angle in a way that doesn't make any sense and then they're, they're you know it, it, it keeps them from being run around the back of the pocket if you're trying to push on the outside or also at the nfl level it's just really hard for a defensive end to run through let's make it orlando brown jr you know, like that yeah. he does not lose to power ever ever like he that battle in training camp is going to be they could sell tickets just to that and i would pay <laughs> for them like it would be it'll be incredible just to just to watch it'll be like a scene from pacific rim but again like if you if you do end up if you do end up in a in a matchup with somebody that is playing power first, or if you're an offensive lineman at the NFL level and you know that what he's going to bring to the table is going to be power, you're preparing for that. I I I would say that my fear and the reason that he would that he landed all the way down at 30 is because I don't know that he can win in a different way just yet. Uh, again, not not by technique or by not having a plan. He he's actually pretty good at that, specifically for somebody whose first sport was water polo. Uh, but but I do think that that. He he lacks the trait that you most typically see attached to a 25 sack, you know, pro bowl campaign, like just somebody who just goes absolutely 25 is too many, but we got a 17 game season now, you know, maybe but not like for that, George Karloftis. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> that's right. But you know, if you, if you see a 15 to, to, to 20 sack season from one of the elite of the elite guys, it's probably going to be because he is just putting a, a, a an offensive tackle in hell, 16, 17 games a year. Uh, and, and in a variety of ways, I don't know that Karloftis is going to get bendier, but I also think that, and again, this kind of goes back to the the moving train thing. Like I just, I have a very hard time seeing him be a, a weak link on this defense. Um, yeah. And so I think that's the logic of the pick. He also, again, he, he fits what Spags wants to do as long as he can do his thing and run support. Yeah. I, I, I think part of the, I guess I wrestle with the fairness of it because the guy's 21, right? Like, yeah. like he's like, he, he could legally drink in the <laughs> same month that he was drafted. Right. So, Already you're just thinking, well, his best football is ahead of him. Yes. The guy doesn't even start playing football until the eighth grade, yep. right? So he's still sort of, I mean, 
he I mean he's played for years, but he goes to Purdue his freshman year. He was like amazing, you know. Like I mean, he was like he showed up on the national radar as a freshman because of what, like seventeen tackles for loss or something in Big Ten play, and and shows up in games. I'm on the phone yesterday with his defensive line coach, Coach Hagen, uh from Purdue. Yesterday, he says, "Hey, look, man." He said, "Here's what. Here's the thing about Carl Loftus," and he wasn't overselling Carl Loftus because I said. Um, I said, hey, you also worked with Ryan Kerrigan. I've seen Ryan Kerrigan comparisons. Would you say that? And he's like, no. I mean, have you seen Ryan Kerrigan? Ryan, like, <laughs> Ryan Kerrigan had like 100 sacks at the pro level. Like, like stop getting ahead of George Karloff as he's a rookie. And I was right. like, oh, okay. Yep. And then, but, and then he said, um, but then he said, but Hey, look, his whole sophomore year was like lost. Mm-hmm. He had, he like, he got COVID comes back, has a knee injury. Like it, like it's a wash. So there's no development. There's no, it's just nursing rehab and then trying not to get COVID for a mm-hmm. whole sophomore year. Then he said, then last year he comes back and he said he was so determined to try to make up for a year lost and be like the national defensive hero again. And he said, and everyone had talked that he doesn't have speed. It's all strength. So he said, so he spent the whole first half of the year way up, way up too high in his rush, trying to go as a speed rusher versus like, he said, we had to coach him back into being what we like being into what makes him so good. So in other words, this whole last season that we're looking at this tape of his own coaches saying, yeah, we kind of had to coach him into being himself because he was letting the press in his head and making up for COVID. And suddenly he's like not doing what he should. And he ends up with like four or five sacks on the year and, and like this lesser production. And then suddenly he's like pass rusher number five or six and going at the bottom of the first round. So like, I'm listening to that and just thinking like, I'm already thinking when he's so young and, and whatever anyway. And then he's saying that I'm like, maybe, maybe the chiefs are going to find out that he's even better than like, we already know he's going to be a very solid pro that like that feels like the floor. But I'm also excited for maybe an untold ceiling yeah. that may surprise us all. Like, what the hell, Jared Allen? Where did this come from? Right. You know, and like, didn't think this guy would be averaging double digit sacks, but here we are. Well, so that's one of the other things that like, I, I'm trying to think about the stuff that I don't want people to take away from from our conversations about him. It's like I, I also don't want people to go like, oh, OK, so he's just a big he's just a tank that has one move. Like, OK, so this was the selling point on Breland Speaks, right? Like he's just never on the ground and he, <laughs> you know, is big. Like that's so also true. that's it's it's so what it was never on the ground, man. Um, but but that's also not this like George Karloftis does have all of the all of the physical tools you would ask for, like where, where he, his athletic testing does not look like Breland speaks like that is not a, that is not a reasonable comparison to make. Um, yeah. So yeah, I absolutely do think that we, we have spent more time talking about his floor than his ceiling in part, because I, I do think that was probably the final like selling point on him for the chiefs of like, we just know that he's going to be here for us again, 85% of the snaps for 17 games, ideally yeah. barring a big injury. But I, yeah, I, I also do think um, I'll I'll bring up a name that I, I think this is what uh, Matt Derrick uh, invoked last night or on Monday on on almost entirely sports. Where he said, "Look, I mean, maybe he could be Tom Bahali with a little with a little extra um, martial arts training." And that one stuck for me because his hands and his hand fighting and all of that is already really good. It's like, oh, oh. that's that's a route to get there. Again, it, it, he would be a real anomaly if he got particularly bendy at the pro level. Cause you're right. Even for a 21 year old though, like that's just something that you just don't see happen at age 25 very often, as far as I can tell. 
but he has a billion tools and and being bendy also guarantees you nothing like i i, I think ultimately we're going to look at him as being a, a pretty good pick I, I think that if he is the best pick out of this draft i would be surprised by how we review him in years to come but if if that's the case i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either because if he does if there is a 10 percent chance that he becomes a, a an all pro just absolutely feasting at that spot maybe it's more than 10 percent. i don't know uh i do think it's on the board though then yeah maybe maybe he's just feasting because also he's playing on a defensive line where most of the attention goes to chris jones so he gets one-on-one a bunch and he's going to end up going against some tackles that aren't as strong as him or aren't as quick as him or don't have as good a technique as him and then yeah maybe in maybe in three years we're going wow uh did you guys see george carloft is having uh, 10 sacks a year by this point because i wasn't sure that was going to happen and, and look at us now yeah uh let me put you on the spot career sack total george carloft is when he retires in 2033 <laughs> when he retires yeah just give me a number I haven't given Matt. I haven't given this one farts worth of thought. I don't. I haven't thought about this in the shower. I haven't thought about this on any level. I'll. I'll say. Uh, you know what? Let me hold on. Give me. Give me one. Give me one checkup here. I want to check one other person before I give you the answer. Have you let? Do you have an answer? I'm gonna. I'm not, your answer will not change mine. I mean, I. Uh, I'd probably throw out sixty five. That sounds like a good safe. Like, oh wow, that's a lot of sacks. And also, well, over the course of like eight seasons, that's moderate totals each year reliable through his 20s i could go for that i um i also like that but frank clark has 53 and a half and if if the bet right now is that he's going to be more productive than frank clark has been on two teams on his second contract that's a lot i i think i think i think i'll go i'll go uh i'll go around i'll go 55 in honor of frank clark and also d ford Well, I mean, you're talking about two guys. I think he's going to play for a long time. That that might be my biggest guess. Is yeah, that he they probably plays a long time, and he probably not to make him a compiler, but I think he probably plays for a long time and probably plays at a pretty high level and probably doesn't miss a lot of time. So yeah, you're describing Alan Bailey is who you're describing. Somebody compared him to Alex Okafor on Twitter, and I thought that was sort of unfair, but also I kind of went like, well, yeah, I mean, if you made Alex Okafor like faster, stronger, younger on a rookie contract, like I don't, I don't know that that sucks. What did Alan Bailey end up with? This is where almost entirely sports ends up a lot of the times is like Rudy will ask me a question and I'll just start going through pro football reference and asking questions out loud. <laughs> Um, 22 <laughs> sacks for Alan Bailey. Getting sacks is hard. It is hard. It is hard. I said 65, and apparently he's going to be in the ring of honor. Honestly, I mean, Kimball Landers is now in the ring of honor. George Karloftis, he'll be in the ring of honor if this is the uh, if this is the go. I mean, nothing personal on Kimball Landers, but but yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think 65 sacks would probably would get him there if they're all with the Chiefs. I uh, I'm not I'm going to see where that puts him on the the Chiefs all time sack leaders list now because you've really piqued my curiosity on this. All right. right. And while you're looking that up, I just want to let people know about something else. Uh, if you like the Airhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the family. Um, we members get access to our private discord where we all hang out. Vertoram, myself, Patrick Sterling, um, other AA contributors, etc. Um, we have happy hour kind of hangouts. We've got um, special giveaways that we're going to be starting. All kinds of things going on. Check out the link in the description of wherever you get this podcast for more information there. We appreciate your support. Josh, do you have the rundown of where of where George Carla? How many sacks does he need to be in the top 10 all time for the Chiefs? Top 10 all time for the Chiefs. Number 10 right now is Chris Jones at 49 and a half. 50, okay. 50 would get him there. I like to 50 think that Chris Jones will add to that. 
Yeah. Um, Boy, it's yeah, harder than I thought. I said 65 it, like it's uh, making pancakes in the morning. 65, 65 would be only behind Derek Tomba. Whoops, sorry. I, didn't miss, I, skipped, my, I skipped my list. Uh, Derek Thomas, Tom Bahali, Neil Smith, Justin Houston, Art Still, Buck Buchanan, and Jerry Mays ended with 65 and a half. So that'd put him at eight right there. 65 Wait, is a lot of sacks. What about Eric? Where's Eric Hicks on that list? Uh, he's 11 at 44 and a half. Okay. Well, I was kind of thinking that range, Eric Hicks range, but apparently I'm way off in my in my sack. Did my I sack say 55? Total. I'd like to. I need to rethink some things. <laughs> We're both drunk on sack totals. I really. Hey. I look, man. This show's very All sacks right. positive. We're we're both taking the the under. We're we're both Lisa Simpson right now playing the sacks. Jared Allen had 43, which you go, man. That's 12th all time. In three years, yeah, dude. That he only played freak. here from 04 through 07. I loved him. I loved him while he was here. Good. Hey, let me ask you this. Yes. You know, we got Lonnie Johnson trade, Justin Ross edition, Melvin Ingram, at least some level of something, something tag we've never heard of before that Brett yeah, Beach yeah. talking about today. Yeah. Just like by the by the way, here's the creepy thing about this tag, right? Uh, NFL reporter Field Yates, good guy. Field Yates comes out with, by the way, the Baltimore Ravens and the Chiefs have used the UFA tender on Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston, respectively. And that allows them to blah, 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 right? It it gives the teams a compensatory pick before July 22nd if they sign with another team. And if it gets to July 22nd, then they can only sign with it. And everyone was going, what the hell is this designation? (laughs) And why doesn't every team use it ever on every free agent that they want to whatever? Yeah. But then, so then I start looking, I'm like, where's this been used? The last time it was used 2020, the New York giants used it on Marcus golden pass rusher. The only person who reported on it then field gates, the previous use before that 2017 running back LeGarrette blunt, New York, New England Patriots. The only person who reports it on then field gates. I got to wonder, did Field Yates make up his own NFL designation, pulls it out so randomly every two years, we all fall for it and report on it like it's a real thing. Meanwhile, the, meanwhile, the Players Association is going, you can't tag a free agent. Get the hell out of here. What is going on there? I, do you, like, I, I mean, I'm I think you, I have I've it. Looked in, I've looked for bylaws. I've looked for – I've looked in like NFE – like NFLPA glossary looking like where is quote UFA tender. The only time I see it is on field Yates's timeline <laughs> on Twitter and his reporting on ESPN. And what do you make of that? So first things I thought what you were going to get to is because you, you, you and I both in our respective arrowheads, arrowhead spaces, uh, you see news sometimes and you know that your sandwich is going to sit out there on that kitchen table for another 10 minutes. You got to get in here and write. You know, it's just something that not a lot of people know. Um, But I saw that and I just saw Chiefs tag Justin Houston so quick that that was where my first heart palpitation (laughs) went. Like, no way. No, everyone said this wasn't going to happen. Like, so that's where I started. Uh, Basically, here's here's the gist of it that I to my understanding. This is the tag for veterans who don't want to show up for training camp. And you say, look, if you sign somewhere before training camp in this range, you can go. I think in that range, your team would then get the the compensatory pick formula uh, contribution. But again, if that's the case, I don't know why teams wouldn't use it more often on free agents. They know they're going to lose. I think there must be a start time. That part escapes me. But basically it's, hey, you either have to sign before training camp or you're coming with us. And, yeah. and if you're Melvin Ingram or Justin Houston right now, 
uh, or or Garrett Blunt several years back or whatever, and you're thinking, <laughs> hey man, like Melvin Ingram doesn't need training camp, but Andy Reid thinks that everybody needs Chiefs training camp, right? So they said, look, we'd love to have you back. If you're Melvin Ingram, you're definitely not bleeping around with OTAs and mini camps and all that stuff. But what the Chiefs said is, hey, you, we'll have you back. I think it's, I think it would cost them like four point four million dollars. We'd pay you yep. a nice little yearly wage, um, but you're gonna have to get to St. Joe. You can't just meet us at Arrowhead. You're gonna have to make your your way to St. Joe at some point. Um, otherwise, if you if you go somewhere else, you're gonna have to go to their camp anyway. Uh, so I, I think that that's basically the logic. It's it's a it's a quote unquote franchise tag for old guys who don't want to go to to training camp, I guess. But I, yeah, it, it feels like the kind of thing that maybe isn't used because agents and players loathe it. They like, would have to. Yeah. yeah. And so you're like, well, I don't want to piss off the agent of 15 other guys that may want to sign here. So I'm not going to. But but it's so weird in a league like this that we haven't heard of it outside of anyway field yates has used it five times in five years and that's the only guy who uses it uh that's all i know but here was my original question we're talking um so the chiefs have added some guys after the draft we could have some guys whatever we're getting a much better idea of what positions can look like Mm -hmm. what is the one position that has you the most worried outside of edge because i feel like even now with carloftis with with Frank, whatever, because Melvin's not signed. Even if Melvin is signed, honestly, that probably still is the issue. So let me just take Edge off the table because that's the easy answer. Is there a position group that still bothers you, frightens you to some extent? Yeah, I think I think that the best answer is still corner, not because not for the same reason that it's edge though, right? At edge you go are there enough guys here? Like I was really surprised they didn't spend the second uh, day, day two pick on on an edge. Honestly, I would, I expected one of those to to go pass rusher. So it's different obviously because half of their draft was just defensive backs, but I I could even rope in the whole defensive backfield on some level, just because you're, you're going to rely on quite a few younger guys to do that. But ultimately I do think that McDuffie and Sneed and Fenton as your one, two, three, and then, you know, Williams and Baker and maybe, and and Lonnie Johnson, you know, they're, they're, guys that you would have at that next level that I do think that by the time the season comes around, they're they're going to have their best options there. And I do think they'll get three or four good options from this entire group. It's probably them. It might, it might be wide receiver. Um, Also for kind of a different reason though, because I, I like this guy more pick. I, I think eventually he's going to be a really nice player here. I don't know if he's going to be a, a top 10 receiver in the league. He might be, he might not be like, I'm just, I genuinely would, would hate to have to guess on that. Um, but what I what I do look at is the fact that he's a rookie coming into the season. Rookies have a really hard time contributing early in an Andy Reid offense. But the other element of it is that it's different, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster are also in their first year of an Andy Reid offense. They've been at NFL-level competition. They've been in NFL offenses. Uh, and Juju especially has like done lots of stuff at lots of different levels. I think they'll be fine. Uh, but I could see them coming out week one looking a little bit discombobulated, perhaps. And maybe not week one, because week one, it seems like Andy Reid's always got like just the first 60 minutes of football scripted out perfectly. But <laughs> yeah. I, I could see there being a time where you go, oh, you know what? I don't know this offense is going to have a, it's going to stall maybe just a little bit. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, but by extension also, it, I don't think it can be that bad because the real number one wide receiver is Travis Kelsey. So like it, it can only be, it can only get so dark at the, the overall pass catching position. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this and we'll close our episode with this. The, the 2022 Mackley Hill 
award winner will be since we're coming off the draft. Oh man, just they get, get these, they get these awards wrong all the time internally. I disagree with them all the time. You do. I do. I feel like the MVPs and the Mackley Hills are usually influenced by a variety of factors is what I guess I would say. Um, so who's the Chiefs this year? Yeah. I think I, I'm guessing that at the end of the year, I will tell you it's Trent McDuffie. I think the Chiefs at the end of the year will tell you it's George Karloftis. How about that? Ooh, that's a way to give me two answers at once. That's good. And neither one of them, neither one of them were the wide receivers. So if they had at least maybe some points, I don't know. Uh, by the way, were you insinuating that Tyron Matthew was given the team MVP award insincerely? Uh, Matt, are my connections break? I can't. Our connection's bad. I gotta go. I got. No, not insincerely. I don't want you to get not stopped on I don't want not, you to get thrown no, under the bus. Not, not insincerely. I just think it was objectively the wrong choice. Not insincere, just wrong. People are wrong and, and people are wrong and sincere all the time. Well, that's. That's true. People are also wrong and insincere all the time. Just, please don't clip. Just please don't clip this and tweet this portion of the show out. You know, that's how the whole Troy Aikman thing started like three years ago. And I've never fully lived that down. Tyron Matthew, I hope he has a wonderful time in New Orleans with his best friend, Dan Sorensen. I hope that they play on a good defense and are very happy together. Um, yeah. Who would have thought that hey, we'll give a couple defensive backs to the Saints and we'll take two from the Texans. That's yeah. that's the that's the trades we yeah. want. Yeah. What a trade. What uh, a trade, man. Well, Josh Briscoe, it's always good to converse. Uh, and, man, it's so great to have you on the show. Folks, if you have, if you somehow are not following Josh Briscoe on Twitter, it's a must-follow, at JB Briscoe. Um, also, listen to him on 810. Uh, with, like, do you have, like, set times for the – is it every day? Great question. I don't. I only sometimes get to know, but it's because sometimes it evolves. So I'll give you the full right. – I'm just going to give you the full pitch. I'm going to plug all the, my stuff all it. together because yeah, I'm the only us, one that could possibly where can, remember where they all are. Where can people find more of Josh Briscoe if they want it, which they should? Which you clearly should. You can listen to the Almost Entirely Sports radio show on, on Sports Radio 810 WHB, or you can search for, for Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts. It's currently almost entirely Chiefs, but, you know, you can get the rest of it by the title. Weeknights on 810. If there's a big NBA game, you know, if if my, boy, I hope this is coming out Thursday, we'll be fine. Uh, whenever the Suns sweep the Dallas Mavericks, there might be four times, you know, as uh, as we end a little early so we can bring you that absolute tail kicking from my beloved Phoenix Suns. Um, so, you know, it, it gets shuffled around that way, but but almost entirely sports on 810. I host the Chiefs postgame show on 810. Um, you can listen to Times Ours. That's the podcast on The Athletic with my friends Seth Kaiser and Nate Taylor. Um, you can read arrowheadreport.com. That's a part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. So we got all sorts of coverage there for you as well. And I think, boy, I think I didn't leave anything out. I don't know. Again, like, you, I know, and just you can follow me at any social platform at JB Briscoe. There's no E at the end, though. That's the only thing in this world that I'm sensitive about. Dude, I, look, I'm a Connor. Oh, yeah. is that C-O-N-N-O-R? No! Oh, is, it, is there an S on the end? Did I pronounce an S? Get off my planet. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, Josh, it's, it's always burning. good, man. Appreciate it. I'm glad to return the favor. You've had me on the show. I'm glad to have yeah. you on this show. Thanks again. Uh, this is dangerous, but I love being guests on things. It's fun to uh, it's fun to be on the other side of the interaction sometimes. So anytime you need me, uh, just say that you'd rather talk to anyone other than Sterling, and I'll understand. Ooh, that's our, that's our code. Love it. Thanks so much for uh, listening, folks, and we'll uh, see you next Tuesday. Go Chiefs. Wait, they're not playing. You can't go Chiefs. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Chiefs, don't go. Go Justin Ross. Go Melvin Ingram. There it is. See you guys. Go Brett Beach.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.